This is the Wikipedia page for Imaginary Audience. Welcome to Wikilisten, the podcast where we read Wikipedia pages and provide commentary. I'm Victor Varnado, KSN. And I'm Rachel Teichman, LMSW. This title and what I think it's about reminds me of targeted individuals. And so I'm wondering if it's similar. Well, I know a little bit about imaginary audience from a psychological perspective, and I think your prediction might be correct. Oh, well, let's get into it, shall we? Here we yeah, go. Yeah, let's do it. The imaginary audience refers to a psychological state where an individual imagines and believes that multitudes of people are enthusiastically listening to or watching them. Though this state is often exhibited in young adolescents, people of any age may harbor a fantasy of an imaginary audience. Ouch. This is great, actually. I, I like this already. I I'm feel guessing... like I feel like you have this sometimes. Well, I feel like I pretend like I have an audience a lot. I don't think I have an audience. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but I pretend like there's an audience a lot. So that's yeah, what do. I like about it. But I, I'm guessing this is not about people pretending. No, it's not. Oh, well... Outside of the field of psychology, the sociological term imagined audience refers to a mentally constructed idea of who our audience is without real or complete insight into who that may actually be. So I studied both psychology and sociology, and the difference between these terms are a lot of fun to me. <laughs> I'm glad you threw to me up on there so I didn't have to I didn't have to <laughs> chime in. Early history in psychology. David Elkind coined the term imaginary audience in 1967. The basic premise of the topic is that people who are experiencing it feel as though their behavior or actions are the main focus of other people's attention. It is defined as how willing a child is to reveal alternative forms of themselves. The imaginary audience is a psychological concept common to the adolescent stage of human development. It refers to the belief that a person is under constant close observation by peers, family, and strangers. This imaginary audience is proposed to account for a variety of adolescent behaviors and experiences such as heightened self-consciousness, distortions of others' views of the self, and a tendency toward conformity and fadisms. What is fadisms? F-A-D-D-I-S-M-S. -S. I imagine it's another word for fads, but like speaking more broadly to it, but I'm Googling it. Right I'm now. Googling uh, it now, now a too. Person, too late. A person following a fad or given to fads. So person I was right. Following a fad, giving it to fads. Okay. This act stems from the concept of egocentrism in adolescence. Really? This is about Familiar? egocentrism again? Yeah, why are we doing so many back-to-back -back psychological egocentric well, articles? Because I showed you on the spreadsheet that I added all these. I was like, listen, oh, I added a bunch of psychological you articles. And me. I did not. You I was like, these are all me. psychological. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, these look okay. Oh, wow. Angry at yourself. I understand. Hey, are you hungry? Not particularly. But maybe you should try eating a fart. See... I rejected your joke and you went through with it anyway. And I'm exactly. wondering if you are perceiving there to be an audience laughing at that joke right now. 
I hope there is an audience for this podcast. <laughs> if there isn't, <laughs> we're not doing things exactly right. Wiki listeners, DM us and let us know if you thought that was funny. DM us? What? Just No, just comment. Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, please just comment on what? the what? cover photo or the audiogram. Whatever's coming out for this episode, please comment. Tell us if no you art. thought that was funny. Anyway... Elkin studied the effects of imaginary audience and measured it using the imaginary audience scale, IAS. The results of his research showed that boys were more willing than girls to express different sides of themselves to an audience. This apprehension from girls has given rise to further research on the value of privacy to girls. Imaginary audience influences behavior later in life in regards to risky behaviors and decision-making techniques. A possibility is that imaginary audience is correlated with a fear of evaluation or self-representation effects on self-esteem. Psychological duration. The phenomenon stems from egocentrism and is closely related to another topic called Rachel sticks as many psychological articles in the show as she possibly can. I'm, I'm sorry, that's not what it said. Personal fable. Personal fable involves a sense of I am unique. Imaginary audience effects are not a neurological disorder, but more a personality or developmental stage of life. It is not aroused by a life event. Rather, it is part of the developmental process throughout adolescence. It is a natural part of the process of developing a healthy understanding of one's relationship with the world most people will eventually gain a more realistic perspective on the roles they play in their peer groups as they mature. This natural developmental process can lead to high paranoia about whether the adolescent is being watched, if they are doing a task right, and if people are judging them. Imaginary audience will likely cease before adolescence ends, as it is a huge part of personality development. Imaginary audience can be as simple as having to change multiple times in the morning because the adolescent still feels unsatisfactory about arriving at a destination about his or her appearance, even though he or she will appear the same as everyone else. The number of adolescents who experience an imaginary audience effect cannot be described with any sort of statistics because an imaginary audience is experienced in all adolescents. All of them? Perhaps all neurotypical adolescents? I feel like that's a really bold statement to say. Are all you trying to correct Wikipedia? Yeah, maybe. Well, I think the probability is pretty low, but everybody who wrote Wikipedia, they could be all maniacs. So you never know for sure. How would you define a maniac? I like to throw words out there without having to define them all the time. <laughs> According to Jean Piaget, a Swiss developmental psychologist known for his epistemological studies with children, every child experiences imaginary audience during the pre-operational stage of development. Also stated that children will outgrow the stage by age seven, but as we know now, this stage lasts much longer than that. Piaget also said imaginary audience happens because young children believe others see what they see, know what they know, hear what they hear, and feel what they feel. The extremes to which adolescents experience an imaginary audience, however, varies from child to child. Some children are considered to be more egocentric than others and experience more of an extreme imaginary audience or have more of an elaborate personal fable. Therefore, 
Children then subconsciously put more value on the idea that everyone cares about what they are doing at all times. This is very common in adolescence during this level of development as the child is going through Eric Erickson's identity versus identity confusion. The child is struggling to figure out their identity and formulating congruent values, beliefs, morals, political views, and religious views. So on top of experiencing an identity moratorium in which they are exploring different identities, children feel they are constantly being watched or evaluated. This leads to intense pressure being placed on the child and may also influence later self-esteem. Imaginary audience examples. A teen that is affected by imaginary audience might be self-conscious and may worry about what other people think of them. They may change their clothes constantly before leaving the house to make sure they are presentable for everybody that is watching them. They may also spend extra time on makeup and hair to better appeal to the audience they feel they need to impress. A teen may also change their wardrobe to match trends that start. They may also believe that they are better than everyone else and everyone is constantly looking at them and judging, feeling the need to look perfect. A teen who has a pimple on their face will think that everyone will notice and that it is covering half their face. This one is very common example of imaginary audience citation needed. In yeah, reality. rewrite a sentence needed too. Yeah. <laughs> in reality... Only a small percentage of those people have any interest in a person's activities, and a maturing worldview will usually reduce the impression that this imaginary audience exists. Some people, however, maintain this misapprehension well into their adult years. Citation needed. Citation needed. This is interesting that we are still reading this beeping article. <laughs> Why do you hate this article? I don't hate it necessarily, but it's like we had the egocentric article and it's in the same week as this one. And it has the same doctor in it. <laughs> well, he was a pretty, articles? pretty important dude. He did a lot. Yeah, I get it. You you idolize this guy. I get I it. Do I do not idolize that. Piaget. I'm Why would you pick saying. two articles with him in it? <laughs> Same he week. shows up in all kinds of articles. He's About all over what? Wikipedia. Specifically egocentrism. Not only egocentrism. I mean, he developed an entire model of development. Excuse me, I'm reading. Psychological studies. Gerald Adams and Randy Jones conducted a study to test imaginary audience behavior. They tested total. I'm reading this as is. They forgot the uh, preposition A. They tested total of 115 male and female adolescents between the ages of 11 to 18 using an empathy scale, social sensitivity scale, and a measure of social desirability. They stated imaginary audience is seen most in teens going through puberty where their bodies are changing rapidly and they are concerned with how everyone is viewing their change. The relationship between age, imaginary audience behavior, and self-reported concerns about body image during adolescent questions, certain assumptions underlying the development of the imaginary audience behavior scale. Imagined audiences in social media. Specifically referencing modern social media sites like Facebook and Twitter, Eden Litt and Esther Hargaday explain that the imagined audience refers to a mental construct people form of their audience without real insight into who is actually consuming their online content. Okay, Boomer. What? <laughs> what is that about? 
My problem is that I think there are a lot of armchair experts regarding the effects of social media. Got it. This disconnect between a user's imagined audience and actual audience is affected by social norms and context and could play a large role on impression management. If a user believes their audience is composed of certain people, they may curate their social media feed and image to reflect this belief. Notably, academic scholar Jacqueline Vickery found in a study that her informants attempted to dissociate themselves from peers they considered ghetto. Since her informers were aware that Facebook friend connections are visible to everyone, those who were worried about associating with certain people then needed to maintain online distance by declining those friend requests. I'm pretty sure you can change the privacy settings so that people can't see that. Yeah, rather than rather than say no to friends, hide them. Yeah, weird. Scholar Dana Boyd argues that the, quote, imagined audience resembles the concept of the white audience inherent to respectability politics, namely that one must be able to successfully perform a white-defined bourgeois self to achieve upward mobility. The relationship between the dominant, acceptable social norms and intersections of class, gender, racial, or ethnic norms creates tension when managing impressions for both the imagined audience and the invisible audience. As sharing on social media continues to be more commonplace, the imagined audience will continue to play a role in how people choose to represent themselves on different platforms. For instance, a study on impression management and online dating found that participants had to navigate mediating conflict between the pressures of impression management and their desire to present an authentic sense of self. Other similar studies have also found that there are significant instances of misrepresentation in online dating. 86% of participants in one study felt that other members of their dating sites misrepresented their physical appearance. Misrepresentation, particularly on sites where participants are looking for companionship and love, could be explained by the idea of the imagined audience, as participants form the idea of who is actually viewing their profiles, they may cater their own online representation to be more appealing. There you have it. Imagined audiences. Yeah. Who is your imagined audience? I don't know. Do I have one? I don't know. Do you? I, I guess not. Well, what about on social media? Social media, I do a lot of stuff on social media that I like. It's like weird stuff often. Mm-hmm. And I do have people saying to me randomly that they think my audience would like XYZ. But I will post things that get a lot of response. But then I'll also post things that do not get a lot of response and keep posting those things because it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. So... I guess I have an imagined audience, but I'm trying to find them. How's that? My imagined audience is, they're all named Brittany and they're all judging me. This has been the Wikipedia page for Imaginary Audience. Thanks for listening to Wikilisten. You can find us at wikilisten.com and on all social media at Wikilisten, except for Twitter, which is at wiki underscore listen. Bye, Brittany. 
If there's a particular page you'd like us to read, please let us know.